ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Evening Jones. Hey, man, y'all been watching that Cyborg on Jeopardy? I've tweeted about the Cyborg a couple of times. But have you seen the Cyborg on Jeopardy? There's this dude on Jeopardy. I don't know his name. I ain't got no time to pay attention to that. I've only seen the dude two times. And both times um, that I've seen him, he's worn the same shirt. Yeah. Read something like apparently he like big into sports betting or whatever it is. Only thing is, man, this dude is just hell on wheels. He is destruction. And what makes him different than most of the people that we have ever seen on Jeopardy is that this cat gets on these daily doubles and he is laying big bread on them. Now, one thing I've noticed, I ain't watched Jeopardy consistently in quite a long time. But one thing that has changed over the years in Jeopardy is that People are now cleaning out the bottom of the board and then moving their way up, right? Used to be the people would just start with the the $100 back when they had that, but like the $200 question and then go down to the $1,000 question. Now these cats is going the other way. It actually, I believe, makes it a less compelling uh, sort of game because there's something she said about the building action of the questions getting harder. These cats out here with it with the questions getting easier. That don't work the same way. But anyway, my man out here just racking them up. So we getting that big money early. Like normally, like, you know, let's say the the, the Daily Double is in the, the $600 clue, right? Well, if you had got the two and the four and then you got the Daily Double on the six, you understand what I'm saying? Like you ain't got but so much money that you can like offer up in this situation. But if you're going from the bottom, you get the you get the G and then you get the eight. And then you get the daily double. Well, now you got more money to play with. And so that's what's going on here in part is that the numbers is getting kind of changed up because people are changing the way that they're playing it. But this cat, man, I mean, I think he racked up like $113,000 a day. Now, there's more money in Jeopardy than there used to be because they doubled it up. But even still, man, $113,000 hard for you to get. Man, that, that cat laid down 60 Gs, 60 Gs on his final Jeopardy. And by the way, if he had missed it, he still would have won because he was that much farther ahead of everybody else. Right. Like his cats will be sitting up here. But like they went to the first commercial break and this dude had sixty six hundred dollars. And hadn't hit a daily double yet. He was just racking up that bread at the bottom, man. He getting all this money, all this money in playing this. But I had somebody to hit me up and they were like, yeah, you know, because everybody want to act like they just so smart in this. And so it's the whole thing is, well, he's the first guy to understand the math. He's the first guy to, you know, really risk big money on the daily doubling. Da, da, da. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. That's not what's going on here. I mean, he's a guy who's certainly doing this. And it's possible that he's the first person that's done it with as much fervor as he has. But it is worth noting that the reason why this cat is able to do this in this way is because he knows all the answers. Like, there's a reason why people ain't putting all their money down on Final Jeopardy. It's because they might get it wrong. This cat's not going to get it wrong. At least that's what his approach is. Like, this I might get it wrong thing just don't come up in his head. And that is in part, I guess, because he's like, all money that I get here is money that I'm winning, so what I got to lose. But the other part of it is, man, this dude just think he's going to get all the stuff right. And as far as I can tell, he's getting all the stuff right. It is amazing, amazing to watch. 
Oh, uh, he out here. He sent a shout out to his dead granny on the final Jeopardy. Like I look at it, he wrote it on there. Like shout out to granny, and Alex Trebek says his granny here. He like no, and he pointed up to the sky. I mean, that's just pouring one out for your dead homies. He out here putting on for the dead homies in Jeopardy. I'd also like to note that, uh, just so you know, if your granny is watching you play Jeopardy from the, you know, the upper room. This dude bit all now for like eight, nine days. What took you so long? Like, is he sending a shout out to a dead person every show? I don't recall seeing him shout out to a dead person on the last one. He's sending a shout out to a dead person every show. How many people did you have to get to before you finally got around to sending a shout out to your granny? Yeah, that's right. Your granny been watching all these times. Been like, oh, oh now you want to say something to me. Okay. Got it. No, man, he out here wrecking shop. I got to make sure I get a chance to watch him tomorrow, a couple days, whatever it is. Like, I like this dude is kind of like must see viewing. There we go. In fact, I'll go with this on the first question. First question is how quickly you walking off the set if you have to face this cyborg? See, I don't know. Like, I ain't walking off. Like, if I got to, if I got to square up with the cyborg, I'm going to go out here and do it. But I got to admit, I don't know how long it would be. Like, I figured it would be stages of saltiness if I was on the show and the cyborg was on there. And what I mean when I say that it would be stages of saltiness, like, I think I would be initially salty, especially if I didn't have any concept of the existence of the cyborg. Like, all I knew was that I was showing up to play against some dude and then he turned out to be the cyborg. Like, at first, my ego and everything is going to be real bruised and stuff, and it's going to be, like, a real bad situation. But after a certain point, man, you just got to post up and just roll with it. Ain't nothing you can do about it. Like, I had to give these two ladies that was on there with the sideboard today, man. I had to give them credit. They kept trying. They kept trying to hit that button to get in there. That's the other part, too. Like, you're not going to convince me that these ladies don't know none of the answers, man. This cat's buzzer game is strong as hell. Like, you can't get on until Trebek finish and finishes asking the question. Then once he finishes asking the question, then it clears out, and then you can jump off in the game. This cat's thumb game is mean, man. Like, I don't know what kind of calisthenics or training away went on the online or something like that, but his thumb game is nuts. Nuts, I tell you. Nuts. Killing it. Killing it. There's nothing rootable about him whatsoever. See, I don't think I walk away. But I do kind of feel like this. Like, what kind of lead would I need to have on that dude to feel comfortable? That would be my question. And you know why I need to know what kind of lead I need to have before I feel comfortable? Because I want to pop some shit to this dude. Like, I want him to know that this is somebody that's over here. You know what I'm saying? I'd be petrified to pop shit to that dude, man. Ain't no way in the world, man. Ain't no way. Because he his part of it. And I don't know how it is for everybody that goes on Jeopardy. But, like, my life and the way that people view me within this life and i know that some of y'all will perhaps view what i'm about to say as being a little self-aggrandizing but let's be real about this right if i was to go on to jeopardy man a lot of y'all would expect that i would win you know what i mean like people view me in that way i feel like a lot of people i don't feel like anybody would be happy with my second place including me by the way i only want to go on there to win i do not want to go on there to finish in second place i have no interest in doing that whatsoever none had people out here clowning you, people that couldn't even get no goddamn $200 question going to come out here clowning you because you can finish in second place. 
man over here talking about nothing wrong with second place. The hell, there ain't nothing wrong with second place. There is something wrong with second place. I ain't trying to do that to be in no damn second place. I ain't never, ain't nobody, ever, anybody in their lives ever envisioned to be like, yo, I want to go on Jeopardy. I think I might be able to finish in second place. Nobody wants to do that. But the game, man, you got to get in there on that thumb. You got to get in there on that thumb. That's why I'd be out there popping shit to those people. Like, you got to get in their heads, man. Like, if this whole thing is about, like, the timing or whatever it is, you got to be working them during that commercial break. You need to do whatever it can, whatever you can to slow them down just a little bit. Like, I feel like you could probably shake the cyborg up just a tad. I don't know how exactly you do it. There's got to be a way. There's got to be. Anyway, let us move on to your questions. Oh, forgot. I already answered one. Like, let's move on to uh, other questions. You recently talked about how people might be using you as a nemesis online. And while I don't think this completely qualifies for that, do you know that there's a section of NBA Twitter that you're not, quote, woke enough for that calls you Bo Money? And do they realize that is a dope name? Is that real? Like, is this actually a thing? No, I was um, unaware that this uh, exists. I am actually kind of curious. How woke uh, would these particular people uh, like for me to be? <laughs> like, it's whatever, right? But I am actually somewhat curious as to if someone had that feeling about me. Like, what the hell you think you about to get? Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Wow, this guy Kyle has all the questions. Is Beyonce the only person who can sell us the same concert for last year and we still feel amazed by it? No. I mean, I mean like, like, let's be honest about this. People have been selling live albums and concert films and everything else for a long time. She's not the first person to do this. What Beyonce did with this Coachella show, though, is she knew what she had planned before we realized what exactly it was that she had planned. So I read something that said that she um what that she rehearsed for eight months for that show. I do I have that right? That it was something like eight months of rehearsals um for that Coachella show. And so like all I can take from that is the understanding was from the very beginning that I am about to do a monster concert and now I'm about to have my concert film and then we gonna put out the live album but we don't know that right we don't know that at all all we know is and that's the thing beyonce is amazing at doing is these things with these really huge build-ups and like high level production values and we don't know what it is like you remember that night the lemonade was on hbo and all anybody knew was beyonce was going to be on hbo Ain't nobody know what it was. And you got like this whole visual representation of the album. And then boom, there was an album out there and like, Oh wow. Okay. Like the same thing happened with the, the self-titled album that came before that, which to me feels like a real turning point in the way she had her career. But she put out that self-titled album with all the songs and all the videos. Ain't nobody really know it was coming. Then boom, it just happens. And then the same thing happens with lemonade when she dropped that in that way. Right. And then she was kind enough to, you know, get a get a get her Leroy out the house, take him to Europe, let him go see some things, do some concerts with her. And then we have this. 
right? And I guess this show happened before they went to Europe. Um, but this seemed pretty clearly to be what the game was. Like, I'm going to blow this out on all these platforms. And so we got to see the Coachella show because it's 2019. Like, I wonder how this goes. Like, if there's a live stream for, say, like the last Waltz concert or for Watch Stacks or any of these other things, like how they go over in that way. But we got to see it the first time. And that was pretty monstrous. But I imagine that most people who watched it the first time probably weren't that concerned with sound quality, right? Like, I don't know how many people were watching it, like, with good headphones and stuff like that. All right, whatever. But now you put this out as a live album, and now people are putting it in whatever, like, audio-type format that really rocks their world. And stripped away from the visuals, and the concert, of course, had its own visuals. And I have not seen the movie yet because somehow I am the only person who had to go to work today but didn't find two hours to watch the Beyonce documentary. But stripped away from the visuals, man, the music on it is incredible. Like, this is flawless. It is absolutely 100% flawless. It's a reminder that she kind of got a lot more hits than you think about. It also is a reminder, by the way, that the later era Beyonce stuff is better than the early era Beyonce stuff. Um. Like I was slow. A big part of why I was slow to get on the Beyonce thing was as I was never really on the Destiny's Child thing. Um, like not like I ever thought they were bad necessarily, but I ain't feel like they was jamming. Like there was nothing that happened with Destiny's Child that made me be like, yo, I can't wait till that Beyonce girl goes solo. I didn't like what this has all become. I don't even think the most optimistic Beyonce fan could have expected that in 2003. I don't. Um, and like the record she put out in 2003 is cool, but I don't think anybody could have seen it like progressing and going in the way that it like ultimately did. But I was in no rush to get into it because the singles would come out, and she also does stuff that like I generally find to be silly. Like it's not particular to her, but stuff that I do like generally uh believe to be silly. Um, like she's saying a lot of cuss words. And like, unless you Nate Dog or you a rapper that's trying to do the singing thing, like I think that I, I generally find that to be a little bit silly. Like I, I just don't. I, I, the merger of the aesthetics doesn't really work for me in that way. She has absolutely branded her marriage, and I think that that stuff is silly. Um, especially the run where like you know it was a wasn't there like a whole tour the Mrs. Carter tour. Like I look at women who throw that I'm married, look at me, I'm his thing out there. Like you look a little silly, ma. Like, that's how I feel about all of it. I would not want anybody to be out here doing that stuff like related to me. No, 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 no. It's cool. It's cool. I don't really get off on that. I don't own you, you know? So like she engages in those things. Um, and I've had like my own like kind of quibbles and criticisms to a degree, like with her. I, I find it to be a little counterintuitive, her brand of, uh, feminism, and I'm not questioning whether it's feminism. I'm talking about her particular outlook on it. And then you go to the concert, and she playing the Ronda Rousey uh, whole "do nothing bitch" monologue, and I'm like, like maybe I'm the white person looking at the black people calling each other niggers, and I don't understand. Maybe that's what's going on here, and I'm just not able to like catch it. But I guess it's also partially because I find Ronda Rousey to be a little bit silly. Um, but like I'm not like some like over the top flawless devotee to what it is that Beyonce does. But what she has been doing for like the last five years is some real, like to me feels like unparalleled, unprecedented stuff. And it's the execution 
as much as anything else. Sonically, though, I don't think enough has been made of this, which is, I mean, is it fair to say that she's like the biggest pop star on the planet right now? Like, I don't care what the record sales say or anything else. Beyonce mean more right now than anybody else does. And this music is so Interstate 10. Like, I know that some of y'all don't know nothing about how we live over there off Interstate 10. But this is like her music is so squarely between Houston and New Orleans. Like it's right there. It's in that stretch. And like this is really Gulf Coast rap. Like what she did was find a way to keep a lot of like the gutter grimy elements of Gulf Coast rap and Gulf Coast music and blow it out to a major like to the scale and scope of a major pop operation while still feeling kind of gully with it. Like, as much as I find all that singing and cussing to be a little bit silly, she doesn't come across as being, like, insincere. Like, she sells it. And when it's time for her to, like, sing for real, she sells it. You know? Like, I appreciate Beyonce putting out, like, high-quality, top-notch content. I said this on Twitter today. I appreciate her doing that because I am then in a position where I can be honest about how I feel about what she does and not have to worry about that damn hive. Right. Like I ain't even got a hive from. Him. I'm like, no, no, y'all right. This is extra banging. Right. Like I'm not really a member of your hive. I'm somebody adjacent to it. But we are in agreement that right now what she's doing is monstrous. It really, really is. The only thing that makes it tough with Beyonce, like y'all remember that time. Like, it was a period of time. It came and kind of went. And you don't think about it coming and going. But it's like the nature of how things go on Twitter. This came and kind of went. Um, and everybody was all about bacon. You remember that? Where everybody, people could not get enough of telling you how much they loved bacon. Like that was the thing that everybody united around, except I guess for like our Muslim brothers, our Jewish brothers, they don't do that neither, I don't think. But everybody just got unified around bacon. And it was just a contest every day for people to get on and talk about how much they loved bacon. Now imagine if every couple years bacon put out an album, and bacon go on a tour, and bacon got the Instagram account that's like flawlessly manicured and everything else. Like bacon just keep making the brand of bacon bigger. And then everywhere you turn, the contest of telling everybody how much you love bacon gets to be more and more and more and more and more, right? That's basically, like, what we have with Beyonce. Beyonce's bacon. But the game of telling people how much you love Beyonce doesn't stop. And what's wild about it is, I used to find a lot of this stuff, the way that people were talking about Beyonce and being a queen and everything else. It's like, oh, okay, it's kind of funny. We're just engaging in a measure of hyperbole. No, 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 no. Y'all believe this. Y'all believe that she is y'all's queen. Like, not every single one of you, obviously, but let's be clear about this. Like, what I used to think was people exaggerating is no. Like, this this is really, like, she mean a lot to people. And I don't want to be the one to tell people that they need to not have her mean so much to them. She mean a whole lot to people. And bless your hearts um, in this and everything else. But, man, uh, I am not invested in that way. I can just tell you that stuff is dope. So it can get a little weird for me sometimes. I go look at everybody else and I'm just like, damn, is it okay for me to just like think this is really cool? Yes? No? Okay. 
Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Where did it all go so wrong with Twitter? So you maybe you guys can help me out here. I saw something where that dude, Jack Dorsey, he did a TED Talk, and he said that on Twitter you're going to stop following people, and now you're going to start following issues, and that's the way I guess he says he thinks that he can get rid of targeted harassment. He's also they're going to have something like some hide replies feature. I saw something about that. Let me look that up while I'm talking to you uh, about this because I didn't understand what it was. And maybe you guys can help me understand what it was because they say they're going to come up with a hide replies moderation feature. And they say it's going to be an experiment. And so it says, with this feature, this is at 9to5mac.com, a user will be able to hide certain responses to their original tweet. That means if someone replies to your tweet with vulgar language or an insult, you can hide the reply so others don't see it as a response to your initial tweet. I don't really understand what that's going to help because how many times if I'm truly out here getting harassed, am I going to have to keep pressing that button? And what they say is Twitter hopes that the high replies feature will encourage, encourage users to be more thoughtful about what they write with the thinking being there's no point in being hateful if the reply can just be hidden by the original poster. And I think that they misunderstand that a whole lot of the point of sending the hate is to get it to the original poster. It's not necessarily to get everybody in the world to see it. It's to get that one person to see it. That's the part that makes it harassment. And I need to read more about this. I need to read more in book form about this. I've seen people kind of throw these like theories and ideas out there. But like to me, the basic thing is Silicon Valley and the people around it are short-term thinkers. They think about having a great idea. They think about getting that idea off the ground. They think about selling that idea. They don't think about long-term, what are the ramifications going to be of whatever product or whatever idea it is that they have. And so we've seen this happen with Facebook, where Facebook basically got itself into the journalism business, and then it was time to make journalism decisions, and they were like, whoa, wait a minute. We don't want to do that. We just saw a way to make some money. And so I saw something that said that one of the dangers of Silicon Valley is their their brains are so locked on progress, but without giving any consideration to what has happened in the past. Like there is no value for what has happened prior to give people any idea of what they might be stepping into to the future. It's just kind of this abstract idea of making more stuff going farther, moving into the future. Or something like that. And so with Twitter, I don't, and to be to be fair, I don't necessarily blame Dorsey or anybody else for this. I don't think that they were in a position to grasp the power of the tool that they had created. I don't think they were in a position to truly consider the things that people were going to come up with in ways that people were going to think about manipulating the platform. And I don't know how many people who could have come up or would have come up with this idea would have figured out the same way to manipulate. Like, who would have seen all that coming? I don't know. But I do feel like after realizing what had happened, that there is somebody on this earth who is bright enough to figure out how to take care of some of the problems. 
and what seems to be interesting to me about a lot of these Silicon Valley cats is the fact that they have enough brain power to come up with an idea. They got enough brain power to carry it out to a point. But once it comes time to answer for what has been wrought by whatever has been created, now all of a sudden these cats ain't smart enough to figure out what they need to do. And so what you got a lot of people banking on is their ability to come up with that one great idea. But what doesn't really matter is the ability to actually follow up on the idea. That's one of the themes of the documentary, the Theranos documentaries, that she had come up with this great idea and there was never anything that was actually behind it. And nobody asked to look under the hood. Nobody asked to see the guts of it. You see what I'm saying? Because all that mattered was the idea itself consequence be damned and what we're seeing with a lot of the stuff and this is the reason why a lot of the stuff that we read about feels like a horror movie you know like on uh, the right time we do this if you haven't heard and we tend to have a lot of stories from tech and they tend to be a little bit frightening and we often say that they sound like something coming out of a horror movie and part of the reason why they sound like something coming out of a horror movie is what is a constant a common theme of these horror movies is coming up with something that eventually takes you over because you had not done the long-range forecasting on what the consequences were going to be. And that is makes me wonder if any of these people have never seen horror movies. Because I feel like it's I feel like the people involved in this stuff who have seen horror movies gotta be looking around and being like, damn, this feels familiar. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. If you could bring Prince back to write songs for one artist to create an album, who would it be? I mean, I feel like the answer to this question is obvious. There is like really one person that I would want Prince to come back and write an album for. I want to see who some of the people are that you guys in the chat room would want Prince to come back and write an album for before I give you my answer. Who else do you have? Because again, I think that this is a very obvious one. There's there should be one simple answer. I want to see what else you got here. We got somebody saying Beyonce. We got Lenny Kravitz. Chanel, Chanel Monet. Yeah, everybody else got it. The answer is Prince. By the way, Janelle Monet, great photos that she put out. They're better than any album that she has released. Some just don't quite hit with her actual music. I don't have the answer. Some just don't quite hit. I also saw her on stage in Atlanta at a Stevie Wonder Sauce in the Kia Life show when she was singing Another Star, and it was very clear that she did not know the words. And I've been kind of holding that against her. Next question. Why are you so petty? Who the fuck are you? Appreciate the question, though. What are your early impressions of Ventura? Okay, now, I don't really like to talk about records early. Like, I kind of like to live with them for a little while. But the problem is, y'all attention spans so short that by the time I want to get around to actually talking about it, nobody wants to hear it. Like, I honestly don't know the next time I'll be able to write a review of a record. Just because the timetable I feel like it takes to really get comfortable with a record takes you outside the time that people want to hear you talk about uh, the record. Anyway. Ventura is the new Anderson Pack record. It is a better album, I think, than Oxnard. I also kind of feel like Oxnard has better songs. And I think it's kind of like this could be somewhat difficult to explain, but this is the thing. 
Um, I believe both records are mixed by Dr. Dre. Dre, as I understand it, had a much bigger hand in Oxnard uh, than he had uh, in Ventura. Dr. Dre makes gangster music. Like this is what he does, and when you think about it, like when he tried to do the thing with the aftermath record, and the conclusion he reached, reached coming out of that, if he tried to say gangster rap is dead, the conclusion he reaches is that what he makes is gangster music, and so what his music that is the best music that he typically produces is a distillation in the purest form of not giving a fuck. Like that's what he's great at. He is great at making don't give a fuck music. Problem is, Pac is at his best when he clearly cares. That's when he's at his best. And if you go through Oxnard, it's a lot of songs where my man doesn't really sound like he cares. The ones where he does sound like he cares, though, he rips, right? Trippy is bananas. Cheers is bananas. Even like the Smile Petty joint, like that, I think, falls under the same category. Uh, Brothers Keeper is cool, but even then, it feels like there's like a little distance there. But you get him on the drums, and that like, he seems to be happier when he does that sort of thing. But when he cares, and I don't I mean, and I don't mean cares in terms of like being invested in putting in an effort or something like that. I mean, it's clear when the topicality takes him to a place of something that like it, like it hits him there. That is missing in Oxnard, but it is there on every track in Ventura. Like Ventura as an album just feels better. It kind of flows better. It rolls better. Um, but like Come Home and that Andre versus Bananas. Um, come, come Home is a monster. The Jet Black Joint, I think, is a monster. I like the one with Nate Dogg. Um, like Swanky Robinson one, the King James. Like I think they all cool, but by and large, man, this joint flows very well, but I don't feel like it's a collection of like super duper standout songs. But again, this takes us to the place where I say I have to be careful with Pac. And it's just something to remember with a lot of artists that wind up in a similar situation as him, which is we get caught with it's not blank disease. And in his case, that's Malibu. Like somebody's like somebody hit me on Twitter and they're like, yeah, I just worry that he's peaked at Malibu. He probably has. How many people you know that's ever put out an album as good as Malibu? Like, this happens all the time. You know, people's best album ever are their second or, in some cases, first album? Like, that's how it goes. If your expectation is that every album is going to be better than the one that's before it, you're crazy. All you can do is just be like, yeah, do I enjoy this and why do I enjoy it? But, yeah, I think he might have people one of the best albums I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, dog. That's kind of how it works. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else you got here. Should T.I.B. get into it with Kodak Black? Serious question. Why do y'all care so much about this? Like the Kodak Black dude has got all kinds of issues and problems and reasons for people not to rock with him. But like everything surrounding Nipsey, like uh, it's like we've decided that Nipsey, everybody's family and everybody going to look out for who's left and everything else. All right, that's cool. But these cats been going back and forth about this stuff on the Instagram. And I'm just like, why are y'all paying attention to it? Like if that's what they want to do, that's fine. And it's kind of weird because T.I. always struck me as, uh, you know, at least the, the old T.I., the way he came up is we ain't going to do all this, this gum bumping. Right. But I'm just like, like why, why? How much energy are you going to give to that? Appreciate the question. See what else we got here. How do you feel about people attacking Candace Owens' hair? Jamel Hill touched on, her, on this in her podcast. People are attacking Candace Owens' hair. 
Really? Are they? I have no idea. But why do y'all pay attention to Candace Owens? Like, just seriously, just because somebody pays attention to somebody don't mean everybody's got to pay attention to, to, to somebody. And the thing that gets me with Owens, like, regardless of whether you agree with her or not or whatever it is, like, I've seen nothing that indicates any level of credentialing that she's got that dictates that I need to listen to what it is that she's talking about. Like, I, I, I am convinced that Candace Owens gets more attention from people who, like, think she's ridiculous than from anybody who is on her side on these matters. It's like, why are y'all giving her so much attention? Appreciate the question. Let's see what else you got here. You gave the advice on making sure that you pay the IRS their money. Do you have a story for a time when you might have learned a lesson the hard way on that one? RJ, if I had that story or I wanted to tell you, don't you think I would have? There you go. All I can tell you is that when you call them, they put you on hold for a very long time. You just got to wait it out. That I can tell you, but I've not had like some giant problem. Nosy ass. Would you get Kim K to be your defense attorney? All right. So I've seen this thing where apparently Kim Kardashian wants to get a law license. Is that what it is? Is to pass the bar? Like, I don't know what exactly it is, but she wants to do something that is lawyer like. Um, she went to college, but didn't finish. But that don't stop. Even you can get a medical degree without having a college degree. Um, here's the thing I do have to say, though. And this is where, like, she can't win. The argument has been made about she and her sisters that they're just famous for the sake of being famous. What did they ever do to deserve being famous? Again, as I've said many times, I don't know when it was that being a really attractive woman was not enough for somebody to say you deserve to be famous. Like, when the hell did y'all start complaining that good-looking women didn't deserve to be seen? Right? Um, Anyway... But fundamentally, the idea is that she and her family are of no substance. I don't really pay enough attention to them to have a great answer for that. But that's the way that people play it when it comes to them. Okay, so now it appears that this woman wants to try to do something that is substantial. Uh, Something that there's a potential that she might fail at. I have no idea like what her, you know, any of that. I don't know. But. You can't really have it both ways where you like, yo, they ain't really about nothing. And then she's like, yo, I'm going to try to, you know, get this little legal certification. Yeah, but you ain't about nothing. Like how you sound when you say that, you know, so maybe she gets it. Maybe she doesn't. I don't know. But the last thing I'm going to do is falter for trying when she damn sure doesn't have to. Appreciate the question. Hey, Lance, I think this dude is just trying to get kicked out the room because he says, can you make a top 10 list or top 10 list overrated movies list? And you know how I feel about people asking me to make lists off the top of my head. So go ahead and get out of the coon about to paint. This dude over here talking about plastic surgery can make anyone beautiful. Nah, that's not really how it works. It can make someone, it can step your stuff up, but do you know, I still got to have foundation. Oh, boy, I got me yawning all over the place. Somebody put this in the chat room. I'll be to make you feel bad, Kenny. But he says, I have heard you say you got people in Oklahoma. Have you ever heard the members of the Gap Band name the band after the Three Streets Bob during the Wall, Black Wall Street riot? Yeah, I have. All right, where's that question? All right. 
How messed up was that story about the kid that got his vintage porn collection thrown out by his parents, which he is suing? Now, I don't know this story, but this is the question that I want to ask you about this. Is that porn vintage or is it just old? Like, is that like actuals, like somehow deemed to be classic pornography or has he just had it up there for a long time? Because I think that that's a very important distinction. People like to use terms like vintage and antique when in reality that shit just old. So was it just old? Is that what it was? All I'm saying is this. Bruh. You suing your parents? You suing your parents? Because here's the thing about it. Like, apparently, from what I'm seeing in the chat room, that some of what got thrown out was like some movies that's out of print or whatever. Okay. You can't get those movies back. You don't want the money. You want the porn. You can't get the porn. So you just going to try to hurt your parents? That's what this is for throwing your for throwing your pornography away. And I imagine it probably had a great deal of sentimental value to that cat. But let me tell you about something. You may have heard of it. It may change your whole life. It's called the Internet. Give it a try. It ain't the same, I imagine. But they got some stuff. Thanksgiving going to be awkward at that house. Thanksgiving ain't going to be awkward. Ain't nobody allowed in my house that sued me. Appreciate the question. See what else we got here. Everyone asks who would be the four people living a day that you would want to have dinner with. Who would you want that would challenge yourself? You mean like challenge me to a duel? Like challenge me to an arm wrestling contest? We're just having fucking dinner. Like what kind of contest is this supposed to be? Appreciate the question. Let me see. I'll try this one. What's the best Andre 3000 feature? Again, guys, this is difficult because I don't just have the Rolodex in my head of all the things that have ever been done. Now, you have to keep in mind the definition of feature is kind of broad. For example, International Player Anthem, given that that is on a UGK record, technically counts as a feature. Um, hmm. Thought process. That counts as a feature. Black Ice. That counts as a feature. Uh, watch for the hook. That counts as a feature. But just for right now, coming off the top of my head, I will go with uh, Devin Dude, what a job. All right, what's the next question? Have you seen Childish Gambino's Guava Island? I have seen uh, Guava Island. I watched it and did nothing for me. Nothing at all. I don't know. Well, I mean, okay, Rihanna, but still. Like, I don't know what might have been going on in that film that I missed that I should have seen. I have no idea. I don't know how much money they paid him for it. I mean, it's got some fire fest type elements to it or whatever it is, but it did not hold my attention. Like, I just kept jumping in and out of that bad boy. It did not hold my attention. Rihanna, though. All right, let me see what else we got here. Wow, this dude that you want to get up in my pockets. Have you filed your taxes on time? If so, has, how how has Trump changes affect you? Bruh, when's the last time you think I put my own hands on my taxes? I don't know. Let me get it done. Like one thing you gotta remember about whatever, like whatever changes Trump is making and my man crunching up the numbers or whatever it is. Hey man, them Trump tax cuts were not to help me, but they weren't to hurt me. 
You know what I mean? I don't think you want to hear about what his new world do for me because I ain't going to lie. When he got elected, I was like, hey, man, I don't know what's going to happen to, like, the largest state of the world. But I bet my test game about to be crazy. Hey, man, look, I got to take these good breaks as they come, man. I'm black. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? Thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. Try to do the thing about once a week here and there. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Uh, remember, if you cannot watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe to Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. you also find us at the Google Play Store. Talk to you guys in a little while. Take it easy.